We are back again at the SBC Live, where people are having a great time yep. in You're, fellowship with one another. You can hear the sound behind us. <laughs> <laughs> and we have another episode on biggest mistakes. I saw a quote the other day. Okay. Failure is the information you need to move forward. Isn't that good? Hang on. I got to Failure is the information you've been needing to move forward. Like we learn from failure more than anything else. It advances us. I prefer success. No, success is not as helpful. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so these episodes, what I love about them is that when people confess their failures, it's really like I learned something so important, it changed me. And well, I think our first one is so interesting about that. Is that where you're going? I was going to say, I love what Debbie had to say. Yeah, so our first couple is um, Jarrett and Debbie Stevens. And she talked about tending to goodbyes, and it really impacted you. Talk about it a little bit. Well, I've recently read the book Power of Moments, and it says there are three moments in a person's life that you need to show up for if you're truly going to be present with them, incarnational. One is in the high moments. One is the low moments. Those are not surprising. But the third one was in moments of transition. Hmm. And when she said, I've learned to tend to goodbyes, I realized there have been a lot of moments where someone has left staff or moved away, and I didn't make any kind of concerted effort Mm -hmm. to say goodbye. But sometimes it's a protection. I think that's where she began. It just, she didn't want to be sad. So it was a protection. But then when it was her turn to be on the end of goodbye, it was really hard. Well, for pastors and pastor's wives listening, there's there's pretty much always somebody heading out, mm-hmm. whether it's a family that he got a job somewhere or a Sunday school teacher or a staff person. I, I thought it was motivational to start keeping a list of people uh, that are, we're having to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And I loved what she said about it. Yeah. If you'll keep listening, we have two more couples. We have Melody and Corey Kane, who serve in Tennessee, and then Mark and Janet Dance, who are in Texas. And their biggest mistakes are interesting as well. So we're back on the topic of biggest mistakes in ministry and life. And we've got Jarrett and Debbie Stevens with us. And they're going to be talking about some of the things that they've experienced in ministry. Tell us a little bit about yourself first before we get going. Yeah. Uh, Debbie and I, we met 21 years ago in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. I was uh, serving at a church as an intern and um, was serving as an intern to married adults. I was 22 and single. I knew nothing <laughs> about being married. And I started teaching a uh, Saturday night, basically a Sunday school class on Saturday night. We called them Bible fellowships at the time, and the Lord was blessing it. And uh, that led to young singles. I was teaching young singles, and that led to them asking me to come and start leading in the young singles and co- college ministry, kind of 18 to 25. And so as I was leading in that ministry, I noticed someone who was serving and leading in that ministry, and I thought, I want to get to know this person. And so uh, that's where we met at Prestonwood in Dallas, and uh, I tell people Prestonwood was very, very good to me. Uh, (laughs) I met my wife there, and we had four girls there, and uh, just a great ministry. And now where are you guys? I am the lead pastor at Champion Forest Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. Been there, I'm in my third year. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Wait, how long have you been there? I'm in my third year. Okay. Great. Still honeymoon phase. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. I hear it's going great. I it's hear going, good things. It, well, you know, we blow it up on social media, you know, and let people see it. But uh, no, it's going great. And uh, we, we love it. The people have been so good, so welcoming. God's given us some great wins early good. on. And, mm-hmm. and we're just, we're, we, we love Houston. We are all in. Yep. H-Town. I went from Cowboys to Texans. I went from Rangers to Strohs. I went from Mavericks to Rockets. We're all in, Ben. I'm telling you. Stay loyal. All in. Stay loyal. (laughs) All in. Well, who wants to go first on a big mistake you've made in life or ministry? 
Well, there's a lot of them, and uh, I'm going to let Debbie go first because... <laughs> Every man says that. Yeah, you know, oh, as we first. were talking about this, uh, she came up, I thought, that is really good. You definitely need to share that. So, Debbie, you got it. Yeah, this was, the Lord reminded me of this, like, just Saturday night. I was like, Jared, wake up. I've got it. I know <laughs> my one mistake that I've ever made in my entire life. Um, I wouldn't say it was a mistake. I would say it was an attitude. Hmm that the Lord brought to my attention. And um, it was just, I recognized how bad I was with goodbyes. And I didn't realize that until we were the ones actually saying goodbye. Um, We had been at a church for 20 years and exiting what we root deep and wide. That's where we met, married, had our children. They were baptized there, everything. So it was totally our life. Um, Our school was affiliated with it. So leaving was hard. Mm. It was, this was a very costly Mm. obedience um, to follow. And um, man, it was just, it was, it was heartbreaking. My heart was devastated. I was so excited that God had revealed this plan for us and what he had for us. But leaving was so hard. And in that, once we moved, the enemy would just get in my mind. And when I was having a hard day in a pity party or whatever I tried to, to do in this moment, the enemy would be like, hey, you never heard from so-and-so. And I would scroll mm-hmm. through my phone and realize that like, I never got texts. I never heard from people in person, not a hug, not a high five, no sign language, nothing. This was at the end of COVID. Yeah. And so a lot of our going away things had been canceled. Um, but the enemy mm-hmm. really, really used that um, in a lot of my little pity parties that I tried to throw for myself. And uh, one morning I was just, cr- I was just crying, and I was like, I can't believe. I mean, and and most the most that the ones that hurt the most were the ones that we had served with yep. for right. a long time. Yeah. And for me, it was the friendships, the the females, the wives. Um, and I was just having a hard time and I, and going through the names, which is torturous. There's no point. And the Lord, I remember I was so, I was wounded, just this open wound. And the Lord was like, Hey, how were you with goodbyes? Because you're so sad that these people never said goodbye or mm. anything. How were you? And I was just like, seriously, Lord, like this, I'm in pain here. Like this is, this hurts. And I, I really took back and I took a step back and looked at myself and I was like, I was horrible at goodbyes for whatever reason. It was mm-hmm. all on me, but I just had this, I guess it was a perception of when people left us and I'm talking about staff, when people left us at our former church, it was like they were leaving me personally. And so, you know, going back and looking at examining childhood stuff and things like that and being like, well, that might have just been why I just kind of shut, closed that door and I looked at it as like I didn't attend. I didn't tend to people's goodbyes at all. It's not that I did it well or not so great. It was at all. Wow. And I looked through my phone, and I had some numbers of girls that were at one point in time their husbands were on staff with us. And I texted one, and I was like, "Hey, can you call me?" Um, and she was like, "Oh yeah, sure." You know, and I call. I was like, "Hey, I'm so convicted." Um, I was not present when you left. And I don't know how, if you were, hmm. I said one of the most important verses to me and, and as a new believer 20 something years ago was Romans twelve fifteen: rejoice with those who are rejoicing and mourn with those who are mourning. 
And I said, Lauren, I don't know if you were rejoicing or mourning because I just wanted to take care of myself and couldn't understand why someone would want to leave. I mean, no clue that the Lord would actually call somebody away to another church. And um, so I just connected with the names that I had. And I thought from now on, I will never not tend to someone's tears or someone's rejoicing when they exit. Because I also realized we were going to have people on staff that the Lord called away. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, it, leaving is hard. Goodbye is hard, no matter what. And, but now I know how I can tend to someone in that moment and be more of an encourager or a supporter. And Hmm. yeah, so for me, I just look back and think that that was, and it was a, that's a lifelong attitude that I had, but I see it so clearly how being on staff with each other, the unity that you need to have, even when someone's exiting, you need to be united where they are and be that encourager and be that supporter. Hmm. And I just was completely oblivious to it. And it was, it was a very deep conviction. So that was, that's changed. When you look back, was there something that has happened to you in the past to where you're like, I just, I don't want to deal with goodbyes. I don't want to be sad. Or would just, did it just catch you by surprise? Totally. Does that make sense? No. You know, like, did you move a lot as a child or anything like that? Okay. I didn't. I think it was just a lot of like guarding my heart and not, I think it was just, I didn't like no one in my family abandoned us, Mm. but I look back at relationships and patterns and friendships and stuff and leaving. It was always like, Mm. well, bye, you know, kind of like I'm done. So no, there was nothing that was like trauma or hurt that I can discover, Mm. but I was Mm. not too surprised. I was very well aware that I didn't attend the prayer things for staff when they were leaving. Mm. And it wasn't like, yay, I'm not going get out it was just like I can't I can't I won't let myself go because it makes me feel something that I don't want to feel and I was just I would just think about myself and not that person in those moments and so now having been on the other side of the coin where it was super duper hard I was like never again that is such a good topic that we have never talked about I mean we've left two churches so like that Really resonates well, with and me. We had yeah. some, I mean, so we left our church in Denver almost four years ago, and a good friend was here recently, a couple months ago, and he said, so who, who do you guys still ha- keep in contact with? And I had a list of people. A lot of them really are our neighbors, though, not as much our church members. And I, I almost let it kind of take me down a pity party path, like, well, nobody's keeping up with us. Yeah. And then I thought, I'm not texting any of them either. Like, I mean, it's going both ways. Right. I don't keep up with the staff either. And so, like, you know, why is it one-sided? Why does the phone only go one way? Right. Well, I right. think when you leave a place, too, you go through this season of almost Ecclesiastes where it talks about meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And you look back on your ministry, and I'm like, I never hear from them. Did I not mean anything to them? Yeah. Like, was I just I, yeah. a church staff guy? Yeah. Or was I like a friend? Yeah. <laughs> and right. so uh, those mind games you're talking about, I've done that a hundred times as I'm driving down the road. Like, I can't believe so-and-so doesn't ever like check on me or call me. Yeah. Uh, but that is, as you said, that's a victim mindset. Completely. Rather than and taking that pain and turning it, it mm-hmm. yeah. turning yeah. it into something that's useful in ministry, which is being sensitive to those people who are leaving. Have you thought of any like little things you do for people when they leave that makes them feel seen or... Like, what's your, what's your secret sauce? Well, um, we haven't had a ton 
of people exiting. Um, but I think just, and it is, it's very, it's a very vulnerable place to reach out because you don't know what's on the other end. You don't know if there's anger or if they're mad about leaving or if they don't want anything else to do with the church or they're excited. I mean, you just yeah. don't know. And so, um, I like for the people that have left, I, I just texted them as soon as I knew and said, just made myself as available as they wanted. So rather than withdraw, yeah. you drew near. Absolutely. Just like, I'm going to be present with them. Yep. Like, and also because I appreciated the people in my life that I knew better than to always go to grieving, even though it is a natural grieving process when you leave. But it was so easy for me just to pull that back in when the Lord was doing such great things in my present. And hmm. um, so... But I, I really appreciated the women that were like, hey, but look what he's doing now and not letting me go back to that place. And so just trying to gently meet them where they're at, but always promoting their eyes to be on Jesus and to be, you know, just to trust him ultimately with their plan <laughs> and just to be available. And so far, I've not met up with um, any kind of like resistance or anger. Or anything. That's awesome. Hmm makes me think about that quote, don't be sad that it's over, be happy that it happened. Yeah. No, that's good. It's, it's hard to apply that, but yeah, in ministry, hard. it's like, wow, we've gotten to work together for 10 years. Like, that's something to celebrate. Yeah. So, look at the positive. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, awesome. I never imagined that the Lord would move us, ever. And maybe, I think other people leaving, that was, oh, it's a possibility. Like, yeah. that's kind of scary. And they're doing it. So not engaging with them as they're doing something that I'm afraid of doing, um, that, pro that could have been some like preservation motives in there. And so I don't know if the women that are mm -hmm. exiting, if there's fear, if there's anger or mm -hmm. whatever, but I just try to love them where they're at because I appreciated the women that were willing to love me where I was at. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I think just being sensitive to it's important, you know, yeah. because it's not like, Debbie's probably being a little hard on herself because, you know, she's very kind and, and, and welcoming to people. But, you know, you got life going on and you're busy. And so I think in this, it's just this idea of eyes wide open and just yeah. being sensitive and aware that, you know what, people could be going through pain. They might be feeling yeah. something that, you know, uh, isn't pleasant. And just how can we lean in and, and just be the yeah. presence of Christ? Good. So, so. Just tend to it That's because really it good. might not be something that they need, but at least the effort to tend to their goodbye was made and for me I walked away I'll never forget the women that reached out or were, yeah. were willing to or able to one thing that's interesting with this to me is that I think we forget sometimes that a calling is not always exciting right I mean Ben's called a lifeway I mean was not that was not exciting to us it was not what we planned and so but we couldn't get rid of the calling exactly we tried and you know, and so it wasn't that we were moving on because we wanted to be moving on. It, it just felt like we had to be. So I want to remember that when other people do leave, that maybe they aren't super excited about it, but they just feel like this is yeah. what God's telling yeah. me to do. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. All, right. All right. We need to transition. Good. Jared, how about you? Well, um, 
you know, you asked this question, uh, biggest mistakes in life and ministry, and I've got pages and pages yeah. <laughs> and pages. So mine was, you know, it took Debbie a while to come up with one. I had to narrow mine down. And uh, probably the biggest, I was thinking more about our marriage, you know, if there's something I could go back and do. And I think for for me, if, if, if I could go back 20 years, Debbie and I had great people in our life that discipled us. I mean, I, I had a, I've, I've had a few in my life that had just poured their life into me, invested in me, showed me what it is to pray, taught me the importance of the poor, the widow, the orphan, uh, invested in me, answered questions, was there in tough times. And Debbie's had the same. Debbie had couple of uh, ladies in her life that showed her how to read and study the Bible and uh, made her really who she is uh, today. And, but I wish if we could go back, uh, uh, I think a mistake we made early on is not finding a couple or two that could, uh, that, that could walk with us as a couple because she was doing her thing uh, with the ladies discipling her. I was doing my thing with the guys discipling me and we talk about it, but I just wish we would have found a couple early on that uh, loved each other well, been through seasons of life together, that we could have asked questions and just kind of, you know, had dinner with uh, and, and just discipleship, just kind of, you know, caught, uh, if you will, their life, how they were raising their kids, how they were arguing well. That's a big regret for me. That's I wish I'd have really had that. That's a good one. Yeah. Hmm. It's hard to find because, honestly, we did, a, we did a premarital class once with a bunch of couples and we were like, hey, raise your hand if you want your parents' marriage. Zero hands went up. (laughs) And so, you know, finding mentors in marriage, people who, like you said, still speak well to each other, seem to like genuinely love each other. In the church, sometimes it's hard to find couples that exude that kind of joy together. Yeah. And, and, but, and, but, you know, they're there. And I should have done a better job, I think, of seeking that out. And uh, I think it would have helped us early on. uh, And I think it would have been encouraging to us early on. And so I I really. Uh, when you asked this question, that was kind of my big regret. It's really good. I wish I had a couple. Mm. It was like that. That was gold from the Stevens. I'm so thankful for how honest they are in practical. So we also have a couple other guests coming. We've yep. got Corey and Melody Kane, who we know personally. Yep. Talk about, you know Corey from yeah. seminary, you Co- said? Corey and I went to seminary. They pastor a great church over near Knoxville, Tennessee, where our daughter goes to college. Correct. And then after that, Mark and Janet dance. So listen up to what they have to say about their biggest mistakes. Yeah, so we are at Seymour First Baptist Church in uh, Seymour, Tennessee, just south of Knoxville, kind of the midway point between downtown uh, Knoxville and downtown Sevierville, and uh, we've been there three years. Uh, July 1st will be three years, uh, so we went right as COVID opened up, and so this is our second church as a lead pastor, and man, God's just blessing. It's really, really good Um, seeing people saved and uh, churches growing, uh, great people that had kind of bathed the process in prayer and was ready to see uh, God work and move in their church again and we've been blessed to be a part of that so super excited how yeah. long have you guys been in ministry cool. well we've been married for 23 years and he was doing youth ministry before we even got married so yeah. okay. the whole time we've been married so yeah. for all of your married all of our life. married life okay. yeah. <laughs> all right yeah. Corey yeah. kick us off tell okay, us something so, that you wish maybe dear younger me that you would have done yeah dear younger me and especially from the lead pastor side now I see that um I was um 
in our first full-time ministry. It was uh, First Baptist Centerville, Tennessee. And um, I was the first second staff member that they had ever had. So they actually raised money to create another full-time staff member. Uh, so I came in as, uh, I think it was something like associate pastor of uh, students in education, something like that. You know, it's like you throw in everything. Everything. Everything gets thrown in. And... And um, it really it was a great little spot for us. We really enjoyed. It was a small church, rural. Uh, the worst part was that we were 30 minutes to the closest Walmart. I mean, like, and that was really hard for me. Um, but um, we were busy. Things were good. Ministry was growing. Our student ministry was really, really good. And I don't even remember what the issue was, but I was asked to do something by someone, um, not the pastor, but just it was a lady a, in our church. A lady yeah. asked me to cover something, do something, and you know, I did what you should never say is that's not my job, right? Oh yeah. yes, that's so not you know, my I mean, job. like it, it's and, Corey and came I look, from a larger church setting where like every role was defined, yeah. specialized. Yeah, he had grown up in that, and then you come to a small church and. Everything's your job. Yeah. Everything. And so we, it, it ended up in um, a meeting together with uh, with a, a good trusted deacon and uh, the the pastor at the time and um, and really I mean I probably bowed up in that and showed some of my pride that um, it was just a young guy felt like I knew what I was doing in ministry and um, and really was seeing success and was busy. I mean, I don't think anybody doubted any of those things, but it just was that um, it should have never come out of my mouth. And um, it, and I think I learned from that. In Now, I, our staff, I, I kind of pride our staff on being a part of everything that our staff all of our staff knows what's going on and is a part of everything all hands do. on deck all hands on deck all the time but what in a, a great way, example I was about to say in a way if you had not done that yes. you wouldn't lead that way I, I don't think so and because and it's real easy to get so siloed in ministry yes. even within our own church uh, or within our own ministry but when we do that we lose the connection of how God's working in the whole, um, and maybe, maybe we begin to elevate our ministry over another's when we, when we, all of them are so intermingled and interdependent upon one another. And so, um, so yeah, I That's think that good. that one of those those that stands out to me, um, and probably more out of frustration and um, and just uh, you know. I can't believe I'm being asked to do. I, again, I don't even remember what it was. It couldn't have been anything that was really that bad. Because uh, I don't even remember what. But it I was. love that it's become part of your ministry now. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I think that that's probably my biggest thing now. She's liable to tell me I've made a lot, big, a lot bigger mistakes. Yeah, that's um, well, someone. Yes, right. Anything else, yeah. Melody? Yeah. 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 No, your turn. I have too many of my own. Um, I would think, I guess for me, it's kind of a more generalized thing instead of a specific incident. But for me, I grew up a preacher's kid. And for me, stability was really important for my kids. And we were we were blessed at our last church to be there for 14 years. But I do think I had made stability an idol. Like, we're not leaving here till my kids have graduated. I want them to get to stay in the same place their whole lives. Um, I don't want them to have to move like I did and, and deal with that. And yet, when God brought us here three years ago, our oldest was going into his junior year. Our younger son was going into his freshman year. And then our daughter was, you know, still in elementary school 
And so we spent just a lot of time praying the Lord on their behalf for their adjustment um, because I knew how hard that had been for me. And yet he has proved beyond faithful. And even this past week, I shared about our three-year anniversary and one of my son's message and said, man, that was hard at first, but I'm so glad we came because just all of us seeing the faithfulness of God in that. So trusting him. Sometimes when you've grown up in the church, you just think you, st- you know how things should be. Um, and yet he always knows better. That's good. And to finish this episode, we have a third couple, Mark and Janet Dance. Mark is an author with us. He's written a book called Start to Finish, which is uh, helping pastors finish well. Mm -hmm. And Mark's been a pastor for years, was over Lifeway Pastors at one point, which was a ministry we we have had, but now works at Guidestone where he oversees pastor wellness. So they've spent their life serving pastors and wives. Uh, Listen to what Mark and Janet have to say. I'm Mark Dance. And I am Janet Dance. Yeah, I work your at Guidestone. you're with us. Tell about the book. Yeah, Start to Finish. It's a, kind of a legacy book. I hope so. As far as my ministry, initially at Lifeway and at Guidestone, just helping pastors start well, stay well, finish well. That's kind of a great commandment. Hangs Everything hangs on mm. that. I like mm. that. Start and well, stay, stay well, well, finish well. Yeah. Is that the breakdown of the book? It, it really is as, uh, you know, it's a guide to, you know, resilience, to help them finish well, not, you know, not just fall across the finish line, but actually accelerate. That's good. Still be in love with their Lord and with their wife. and so That was really the heart of the Glasshouse podcast, mm-hmm. to help people stay in it. Well, you guys have ministry past. I mean, you did a lot of marriage retreats, things like that. Isn't that correct? Yes. You know, uh, after pastoring for 27 years... In you know, starting Lifeway Pastors, I'd ne- we'd never done a marriage event, had we? Hmm. I think one small church. Oh yeah, like banquet. a Valentine's okay. deal. Valentine's okay. banquet. Yeah. And so we did an experiment and uh, invited the spouses and called it a pastor date night. Didn't give any thought. And that was over a hundred events ago. Mm-hmm. And we doing for, you know, state conventions, seminaries. Uh, really fresh. Only ministry couples. But yeah, it started something that uh, we couldn't put the genie back at the. And it's just really fun for us to do together. It's really good. Yeah. Janet, what do you like to do for fun? Well, I have a puppy. Oh, my <laughs> God. We, I, we love puppies. dogs. Who's not really a puppy, but will always be a puppy. Kind. Okay, okay. It's a tiny toy poodle. So he's less than six pounds. <laughs> Is he in your purse right now? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he came with you. So that's taking up a lot of time. Yeah. That's I awesome. say he's my number one hobby, but actually I just started playing pickleball. But I don't think you can call it a hobby when oh, you yeah. haven't really played that yeah. often. And I think I've only played like two real games, but That's it's fine. fun. It's really fun. Our yes. kids like playing it too. Yeah, we do. All right. So who wants to go first on a mistake you've made in life or ministry? Mark, why don't we go oh, with you first? Jan's point to me. Uh, honestly, I learned this pretty quickly. I, my biggest mistake up front was uh, spending more time focused on my speaking and less on listening, you know? I mean, uh, preachers generally speak for a living, and that makes, and in general, we're, we're better at talking than we are listening. And that's not good at home, it's not good at church. The good pastors are good listeners. And I think, you know, if I was to go back 35 years, I'd say, hey, listen, stop talking 
and start listening more actively. Mm. That's really good. Because there is in seminary, preach the word in season and out of season yeah. with great patience and careful instruction. Like that's like the command. Yeah. Get in there and preach the lights out. Yeah. And yet so many pastors where they're really struggling is not with the preaching, but with connecting with their people. It really which is. Which happens a lot in a one-on-one setting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the good, the good preachers speak well. The good pastors, they listen well, but the really great ones do both. And I think that no, there's not many of us that do both well. So I, for me, it's always and still is a discipline to listen more than I speak. I love the way you said it. Say it again. The good preachers. The, the, good, the good preachers speak well. Uh, the good pastors listen well. But the great ones do both. That's really good. I've never heard that before. Man, that's good. All right, Janet, have you thought of one yet? A mistake? Yes. Okay. I would say I grew up, my dad was a preacher. And so I grew up a PK. And I think I came into the ministry with a little bit of rebellion of because I had been told growing up that I was going to be certain way because I, my daddy was a preacher. So I came in as a preacher's wife with a little bit of rebellion, like I'm going to be me by golly, you know. And I wanted to be normal so bad that later in ministry, the Lord taught me that I was actually robbing church members of the joy of I hate to use this term but treating me special I wanted to be normal so bad and I wasn't normal and that they got a blessing from blessing us and I was denying them that blessing that is so fascinating interesting it took me about 10 years to figure that out but once I gave into that and it then I got to see the joy of the members being able to give to us. So what were you robbing of them of? And then yeah. what did you allow them to begin to do for you? And not for you, but like to honor you. Or what behaviors did you resent at first that you came to appreciate? Being separate, being different, being set apart, you know, as being, I, I just wanted to be Janet. I didn't want to be Mark's wife. And so I think some of the things like letting them love me more than just an average church member. So you were kind of like Peter looking at them saying, you will not wash my feet. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Because it is one of the hardest things is to let people serve you. Mm -hmm. We have this funny story. When I had my third child, there was a lady who was newly widowed in the church and she came to me and said, you know, I want to come help you. And I was very young and very prideful and was like, no, I got this. And um, she said, Okay, but I'm going to come anyway. So I'm going to be there like Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. And and she did. She came. And then there's one time she said, you know, can I help you with your laundry while I'm here? And I thought, no, like I don't want you doing our underwear, you know, whatever. Yeah. I took Ava to school, came back, and she's doing our laundry. And I mean, so she didn't even, like she didn't ask. I mean, she was mature. <laughs> she was older lady. She was mature. And she knew that there was no point in even asking me. She was just going to do it. And, um, and it blessed me. Like she, our relationship is so sweet still. The Glass House is brought to you by Lifeway. It is produced and edited by Angie Elkins with help from William Hall. Sound engineering by Donnie Gordon. Artwork by Heather Brzezinski. And photography by Rebecca McVeigh.